Welcome to episode 19 of Teacher's Lift. This is sadly our last episode before we take a break for the summer, but we will be back in September and we'll be better than ever. Of course, colleagues here at CAES have more to look forward to than just all those new episodes of Teacher's Lift in September. We're also all very much looking forward to welcoming our new director, Professor Alessandro Bonatti. In addition to telling us about his research interests, he gives us some fascinating insights into how he's managed being both a researcher and a manager. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this episode, so I'll turn it over to Phil and Aditi. Good luck, guys. Phil and I back on the podcast, Teachers Lift. As you know, I'm from the Center for Applied English Studies at Hong Kong U, and so is Phil. And we have a very special guest on board today. Mm -hmm. Tell delighted. us something about this person, Naditi. You have, haven't you? <laughs> did you? Did you meet him um, during the talk that he yes. gave at the center? Yep. Yeah. So we are welcoming Professor Alessandro Benati as a host on the podcast, Teachers Lift. Welcome, Professor Bernati. Thank you. So, your your name? How do you how do you exactly spell it? Alessandro Bernati. Yes, Alessandro Bernati. Correct. Yes. Yes. So the other day, what happened was I was talking about you to another colleague in the lift, and the colleague corrected me and said it's Alejandro. And then I said, No, he's not Spanish. That's correct. Yeah, I'm not Spanish, no. <laughs> um, Phil, would you like to say something to Professor Bernardi? Do you have a few words for him? Well, obviously, you're welcome to uh, to the lift. Now, some some listeners may not realize that Alessandro Bernardi will be joining CAES in the coming months. I think officially next month. Is that right, Alessandro? Uh, yes, I think from the 1st of September. Oh, 1st September, okay. Uh, and in that time, obviously, I will have departed. And I can assure listeners there's no connection to that factor at all. It's not that <laughs> I, I'm being forced out because Alessandro has come in. Uh, but it does allow me to ask them more insightful questions because um, I won't have to be around afterwards. Having asked them, I can then leave. But you start yes. the questions then, Aditi. Uh, well, first of all, I'd like to introduce Professor Bernati to people who don't know about his work that much, although he has been very, very prolific. So Professor Bernati has worked in the UK at the University of Greenwich, University of London, Middlesex University, the University of Portsmouth and uh, the American University of Sharjah. He is internationally known for his research in second language acquisition and second language teaching. He has established groundbreaking, um, sorry, published groundbreaking research on a pedagogical framework called processing instruction, about which we'll be asking him more questions later. He has coordinated high impact research uh, projects which have been funded by the EU and British Academy, among other research bodies. He's the co-editor of a new series for Cambridge University Press called Elements in Second Language Acquisition and a member of the AHRC Peer Review College and REF Panel 2021. 
he has supervised more than 20 PhDs to completion. So it's a very, very impressive resume. And we are so excited and so honored and so privileged to have Professor Benati joining us at the Center for Applied English Studies. Um, would the first question be from you, Phil, or well, that's me? Well, that's an impressive CV, Aditi. I don't think we've got much time for questions. It's almost time to finish there, I think. So that's a very impressive list of accomplishments. Um, yeah, maybe just to begin with, Alessandro, you can, um, you know, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, your, your journey to Hong Kong, I suppose, coming to Hong Kong now. I mean, um, you know, was, was there any particular thing that attracted you to Hong Kong or um, the job just felt right at the time? Um, yeah, I think I think it was a great opportunity when I saw that the job was advertised. Um, I was I was very um, excited about the opportunity to apply for the job, and then when I was called for the interview, to actually come over and meet all of you. Um, I always I always loved Hong Kong. I I, I loved the um, great energy and dynamic environment of the city, and um, I. I've been invited a few times by other institutions in Hong Kong to give talks. Um, and I always made, they always made me feel very welcome. And I'm, I also felt that the students were very inspiring. You really wanted to know. Um, in addition to that, I have, I have a lot of friends in Hong Kong, colleagues, and I'm working and collaborating on a number of projects. One of, one of which is on... Uh, is research on Chinese learner ESL acquisition. Uh, it's a project I'm, I'm, I'm working on with Mabel um, from PolyU, and it's, it's about editing a, a number of studies, and um, the book should be published in 2021. So yes, I mean, I just, um, I'm, very, I'm very excited about this opportunity um, that I have now to come and join your, your center. Uh, really looking forward to it. Um, I, I had a very good time when I came to, uh, for the interview. I know it was an interview, it was a formal, obviously, <laughs> situation. But yeah, it was great to meet all of you and chat about uh, chat about things. Everyone was on their best behaviour then, Alessandro. When it's an interview, everyone behaves very well. Correct. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. <laughs> Not all of us. Every different. <laughs> no, we asked a few difficult questions and Professor Bernati answered them very well. Very true. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you've worked in so many places, um, Greenwich, Portsmouth, Sharjah. Um, is there any university or any experience uh, that has left a really deep impression on you? And, um, and what is it and why? Yeah, that, that's a very good question. Thank you. Um, I was lucky in the last 30 years to work in institutions like um, Greenwich or Postmode in the UK and then at the US in Sharjah. I think the main thing that I would like to say is I was really lucky to work with great colleagues and many things in this institution impressed me. There's not just one. So I'm going to mention just one for each of, for each of them. To be fair, um, first of all, I think at Greenwich I had a, a great uh, fortune, a good fortune, uh, to have a, a brilliant mentor uh, who really helped me to um, develop both my managerial and research skills at the same time. And I think what really impressed me about Greenwich was also the very friendly environment and very supportive uh, management. Um, I was I was lucky that I was almost given 
carte blanche to develop a center and then uh, um, develop actually the first masters in, in language teaching, one of the first master language teaching in the UK in the early 90s. So the, 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 the management was very, very supportive, um, I must say. I really have, um, I'm really in debt to, to Greenwich. I postponed, I was for a very short period of time, but it was very intensive period of time where we were all developing uh, a new school uh, in languages and applied linguistics. And I think one, one of the things, apart again from the colleagues and the students, they were really great. Uh, I was particularly impressed by the high quality of the online master's programs they have they have a, a very um i think they have a, a five or six ma programs in the school and all those programs were also delivering online recruiting many students from from around the world and i think that the quality of the actual programs of the online programs the delivery was was really top um so i was really impressed by 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 the expertise and um of this, of this particular de delivery, this particular set of programs. And then finally in Sharjah, it was, I was really impressed by the students, the quality of the students. The, the, the students at, uh, at the AUS were very um, conscientious, hardworking, respectful. My MA students were brilliant students, I have to say. And some of, some of them, some of the students I supervise in their projects are planning to publish their work in, in very good journals. Um, they, they actually produce a very good work. It was really impressive and the standard was really impressed. And so just, you know, just wanted to mention one thing in each of the institution I worked for over the last 30 years. Yeah, no, suppose actually my, my sister lives in Greenwich. My parents live in Portsmouth. So I've got a lot of connections to those places myself. Um, as you mentioned, I don't know much about Sharjah, mind. Um, Sharjah is um, known for cricket. That's true, yeah. The, the matches are mostly held there. A lot of the matches are held there. I had no idea you were such a fan of cricket. I'm an Indian, of course. Everyone plays cricket in India or knows about it. Professor Bernardi, do you like cricket? Um, I prefer football. Ah, I guessed <laughs> as much. <laughs> but yeah, but cricket, cricket is interesting. It's interesting, yeah. But I prefer, I watch football all the time. I'm a Juventus supporter. I'm, I never missed a, a match in my life. I Since see. I was very little. Do you play as well? I used to. When I was in Italy, I used to play uh, football. And then I stopped um, when I came to London many years ago. Um, I do play tennis. I like playing tennis. Yeah, I hope there will be opportunities to play tennis in Hong Kong with colleagues. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Sure I think we be. have a lot of tennis players. Oh, mm. That's great. We should form a tennis club or something. As, a, yes. as an AC, AC Milan fan, Alessandro, it's probably just as well we won't be around. And I watched AC <laughs> Milan a bit when I was in Italy working there. So I became a bit of a, a Milan a Milan fan, I suppose, rivals in some way to the, the grand old, what do you call it? The grand old lady Juventus, is it? That's it. Correct. Yes. Um, okay. Let's, what, what about, let's talk a little bit about your, you know, a lot of what Aditi described before. There's a lot of strings to your bow as it were i mean there's a lot you've done there research wise but there's a very impressive amount in manage uh, sort of management managing centers and starting centers there's also a lot in sort of administration of setting up programs do you see all of those roles as in some way complementary or, or do you kind of focus a bit on different things at different times can you just talk a little bit about that because very impressive how you kind of have these so many different areas that you can kind of juggle and keep going at the same time yeah, 
Yeah, um, I, I think that um, the role as a manager and the role as a leader in your, in, in your field of research are, are very much compatible. Uh, I, see, I see them as compatible, at least. Um, they've, uh, in my view, they feed um, the same mission, like, you know, you're directing someone or a group to achieve a goal, like in research. It was very important for me to combine both manager, man, managerial skill and, and also to be a leader in my research field. Um, it was important in the context of, in the context of Greenwich, uh, for instance, when I started my career. I thought that at the time uh, it was important to shape up the future of, uh, of uh, linguists and, and, language, and language teachers. Um, sometime in a quite hostile environment, inverted comma, I mean, we've always been seen as perhaps uh, a non-academic subject. And uh, it, I felt that it was vital for me at the time uh, to um, set up and be the leader of the, actually the first department of uh, languages. Uh, at the time it was called the Department of Language and International Studies at Greenwich. Um, and eventually developing the new center and lead the new center for called Carroll, which was a center for research and innovation in languages. Also, as I said before, at the time, it was also important to uh, develop and manage the first masters that we offer, uh, one of the first in, in, in the UK in, in language teaching, or at least one of the first in which we looked at the relationship between uh, research and, and the application of the research for language pedagogy. But uh, the other thing is that I, I always enjoyed uh, changing managerial roles. Now, I was head of the department for, for a period, but also at some point I was associate uh, dean for research and innovation, and it gave me the opportunity to work with across the faculty with all the different research groups. And, and manage, for instance, our REF submission uh, in the UK across the faculty. And so it was an opportunity for me to learn how to manage and mentor and research as well, not, that, not just in my area, applied linguistics, second language acquisition. And I think, again, it was crucial, that experience. It helped in the future then to build up a better group, a better research group in my own area. So I, as I said, I think that the, the role of manager and the role of leaders, in my view, are very much compatible. Um, uh, and so sometimes you, you find that their position are advertised and they're filled with people that actually have one role or the other. Um, but, but to develop both roles, I think is very important. I think you're right. I mean, basically, both positions require leadership, leadership in the field, in the academic field, and leadership as a manager as well. So what would you say is, um, according to you, one of the most important skills of a leader? Well, yeah, no, they, they, there is an, a number of, of, of skills that you need to develop to be a good leader, in my view. It also, also, whether you are um, a manager, or whether you're managing your own research, I think again there are similar skills you need to you need to develop. I was again I was very lucky to complete a master's in, uh, in social science and educational management, and so by speaking to people that they're managing in other in other institutions or sectors, sharing their experience, I was lucky to be able to absorb. Uh, not only the content of the, the masters, but 
in terms of understanding how to manage people, manage manage changes and all that, but also understanding from direct experiences in, in other sectors by different people. So I, I think that as a, as a manager, you need to be a good listener. Um, it's very, very important that people feel that you're listening, uh, first of all, and that's the first step. And then you are a good communicator. Um, um, this is also very important. It, to manage uh, uh, to manage any unit, uh, whether it's a research unit or the department, you need to develop a good structure and you need to develop a good strategic plans and objectives, objectives that are achievable, um, but more importantly, are shared by everybody. So the, 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 the culture, create a good culture, a good environment, an environment which colleagues feel that they're empowered and they're part of a project is key and this it takes back, takes back to what we said before about the importance of um, working as a team i think that is crucial if you manage that then you could you know achieve great things if you fail then and then it is a problem yeah. i think in my experience then it's time to um, learn something yes yeah so yeah. empowerment and listening, deep listening, are the two important skills, um, which which I I completely agree with you on. Um, there's another point that I'd like to revisit. Something that you mentioned just recently um, about establishing linguistics or English for academic purposes as a subject which sometimes is seen as a non-academic area and um, uh, and it's the same everywhere i think in most universities people have this notion that it's not a proper discipline so how did you go about doing that how did you go about changing minds of people and making them recognize that this is a field this is an important area yeah yeah i i think that um one of the important um, factors to, to ensure that we, we convince people that this is, this is important is an important field, uh, not only because it provides a service, but this is an important field because we can make advances in research, is to, is to um, ensure that uh, our work has ensured that we can highlight the impact that, that our work in terms of teachers and research has on uh, improving people's skills and uh, to help society as well. And I think that is where the concept of impact be becomes quite important. I've, um, I've been involved in projects, for instance, um, uh, with teachers and governments in the UK uh, and also abroad, abroad to improve teaching methodologies uh, and, uh, and then to try to also improve and change language policies in schools and universities and in countries as well. Um, so I think the big question is how do we make, which is think related to your question, how do you make our research to be beneficial for language teachers, language learners, learning and teaching? Uh, I, I think emphasizing that and it, it will help us to um, put ourselves on the map in terms of the importance of what we do, which is not just a service, but I think through, through improving language skills means a number of things. And it has, it has an impact um, in society in a number of ways. Uh, some, Sometimes, you know, learning a language or improving a language and how we 
teach a language could have an impact on uh, making people working together better or it's important in conflict resolution sometimes. Um, so the, the, there is there is a number of things that I think we need to ensure we emphasize and we, we just put ourselves on the map by saying, by emphasizing the kind of impacts that our work might have. Um, also demonstrated that when we, 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 are, we are teachers, which is very important, but we also do research. Um, and I think, again, this is a way of, uh, at least in the UK, I remember, I was, you know, I was part of a lot of battles to show that a language language teacher also good research. I can not only through actual research, but different type of research we can do that actually are quite important. And and so it's a, always question to demonstrate that the, you know we we are we are it is an academic field like any other academic field. And uh, but we we it, I always felt that we have to prove something. This is why I think it was important for me also managing things because I was there. I had then I had the opportunity to build center or department and and then making sure that you know the, 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 we we can push it. We can we we can push it. We we can push this and we can and, and we can be um, um, consider a proper academic a proper academic group or academic field. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. The impact, not just research wise, but also impact on the community, impact on the students. And this is the way we go about proving that we are a real academic area. Uh, Phil? I was going to say it's amazing, isn't it? That across the world is a very similar picture. You kind of feel like you're always having to fight for your own credibility. But I think the ways you've described there are, you know, I don't think we're too defeatist about these things. You always feel like you want to do what you can to show that there's something there um yeah we're we're useful um so i I wanted to just switch a little bit to talk about your uh your current research about um second language acquisition um i guess for some people they may feel well second language you know how is that related in eap i'll ask you about that perhaps in a moment but i mean very simply how would you describe your position in second language acquisition my understanding of it it's you're either sort of chomsky or not chomsky um i wonder if you could just briefly state a little bit about second language acquisition and then maybe that further question is is there a relationship between what you're doing research-wise in second language acquisition and then you know this the question of eap and some of what you just described to a previous question yeah no that's a very good question thanks I mean, let me let me let me put it in this way. I think understanding second language acquisition um, is like understanding how a, a, a building works. You know, there is an electrical system, a plumbing system. There is the foundation, the frame, um, the heat and the air systems, and so on. And they all are necessary part of the building. And one alone is insufficient. Insufficient. So it's like if a, we, we are a group, before you mentioned universal grammar perspective, other perspective, there's a group of people that are working to try to build this house. Uh, and everybody makes his own contribution. But it's like putting together all these pieces in a puzzle, but the puzzle hasn't been completely yet. Completely yet. Um, this is the way I feel about second language acquisition. And the field, I think, addresses uh, the fundamental question in my view, or how L2 learners uh, come to internalize an, uh, this new system um, and how they make use of the system during comprehension and speech production. I think I would 
just describe SLA like this. Now, although there are different camps, um, and I think that people would not disagree, disagree with me if I say that acquisition is perhaps three elements that interact yeah, together. Like there is the input language, there is the first language, L1, and then there is universal grammar. And again, some people might not believe that we have, there is a UG. I believe there is a UG, but other people might, might not. But anyway, but despite the fact that the, 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 those are the three elements, and despite the fact that there might be camps in SLA, I think that there are a number of things that we certainly know. I mean, if I have to say four or five things that we certainly know, and we kind of, everybody seems to agree with, uh, those would be the five. First of all, that SLA involves the creation of an implicit system. Secondly, that this system evolves over time, and it does require input language, being the, one, of, one of the key elements in acquisition. The, the, the system, second language acquisition, um, system include stage-like and also order-like development. And SLA contains um, and consists of different processes. And finally, we can see second language acquisition, we can see this new language system as a system of network, network of connections, of uh, lexical connection, formal connections, like a website. So I think despite the camps and despite the views, if I were to say, what do we know about second language acquisition? There's a lot of things we might suspect and we still don't know, of course. We haven't completed the puzzle, as I said, but if we, if we have to say, what do we know so far? Those are the things I would say we, we do know. It's very impressive. I, I wish you'd been there when I was doing second language acquisition on my MA back in 2004. I could have... I could have done in 20 minutes probably what I spent 20 hours doing. So it's a very <laughs> impressive uh, distillation of, of, of the field and, and where we're at. Just the, the other sort of part of the question, and, and there may be no sort of link here. I mean, do you feel that this is just very much a theoretical enterprise or do you see some sort of interface here with very practical uh, problems that EAP faces or you know applied linguistics more generally? Uh, or do you see it as you now? This is the sort of the theoretical side of, you know, how it's acquired. What's going on up here? It's, a, it's again a very good question. I think it's is a question that and and an issue. I have to say that I have been battling for many years. Which and, and I'm telling you why because I think a lot of my colleagues. It's not a criticism, uh, but a lot of my colleagues are very much interested in carried out very um, specific studies uh, and the focus and i'm talking about in second language acquisition and the focus is mainly or at least uh, the beneficiaries are mainly learning learners and not necessarily teachers and teaching whereas all my life i've been trying maybe because i'm a language teacher i, I i've been you know when i when i came to this country to london to uk i I was in, um, my first job was in adult education. I was teaching Italian and I got qualification for that. And, and then I, I got very much interested in teaching languages. So perhaps it's because I'm a language teacher, but I see the importance of ensuring that second language acquisition is, has also implication for teachers and teaching, is also carried out 
thinking, keeping in mind the teachers and teaching, not just learners and learning. And I know that there is a branch of research in second language acquisition called the Instructive Second Language Acquisition, which is actually looking into this. But I think overall, I would like to think that SLA as a whole is actually addressing this. this. Uh, so the fact that we don't carry that research only for learners and learning, but also for teachers and teaching. And I do think that one of the questions would be, how do we make our research to be beneficial for language teachers and teaching? And I personally have to deal with on a daily basis because of my, the, the job I've been doing and the project I've been involved with. I've, for instance, been involved with language, language teachers, particularly in school, but also I've been involved and the EUS, I was involved with a lot of the you know EAP uh, teaching. Um, so I found that sometimes language teachers, particularly in schools, but not only in school, also in university, often work in the dark uh, with little understanding of the object of their efforts, for instance, um, and oft, often lacking of a clear understanding of, uh, of things such as communication. And that's one thing. Sometimes when I ask the question, what is communication? I get all sorts of answer to this question. And, and, and sometimes it's not very clear, there's not very clear understanding. So I think two things needs to be done. And, and I think that I know that lots of people have been, have been trying to address those, those two things. But I think in the future, we need to incre increase uh, our efforts. First of all, curriculum and language teaching material must be generally informed, in my view, by what we know about language and language acquisition. A clear understanding of what language is, in my view, is, is crucial. And language acquisition. And the second thing, and then I finish, is we need to be more involved in delivering. And when I say we, I think that we say if we are the expert in SLA, we do need to ensure that we get more involved with teachers and with teachers. So we need to be more involved in delivering innovative language teacher training programs. Teacher training programs that they have to be more evidence and principle based. And that we also need to produce a number of publications for the benefit for language teachers and teaching. Sometimes we write textbooks or publications that they are just for the SLA expert, the SLA audience. So again, it's all, it's all about, again, communication, working together and impact again. So I think I, think I would like to see more effort for people in our field to communicate what we know and work together because we get a lot of ideas from teachers as well. I mean, is that is, is sharing our knowledge that is also very important. Is working more closely that, so that they are not two departments, that they are not together, they are detached, but they're working together. I feel, and I may be completely wrong, that second language acquisition is directly related to second language teaching. Are they really that separate? Um, second language acquisition may be focused on the students, but how can we as teachers not want to know about what's going on with students? So there is a considerable overlap between second language acquisition and second language teaching. And to think that one is uh, more theoretical or not directly um, relevant for us, is that, um, is that a wrong way of going about it? Um, I'd like to know your thoughts on this. 
My, my view is that teachers have great expectations. I agree with you. Uh, they have great expectations from the expert in the field. But, but, but not necessarily those experts in the field are, are very much interested in language teaching or teachers. And I think some of the research is not really about teachers and teaching. Some of the research in second language acquisition is about the acquisition of particular features or how things develop in our mind or brain um, that not necessarily has a direct implication for teachers. And even the, the, the way sometimes we write our articles or publications are not very in a written in a very friendly and clear way. Or at least what we what we lack sometimes is that making clear the implications for teachers and teaching. So um, there is a lot of research in SLA that it's about learners and learning. But they, they read, there is a branch of research, as I said, called Instructive Second Language Acquisition, which is actually looking at the effects of any external manipulation, as we call it, any type of instruction uh, that uh, might have uh, an effect on learning. And therefore, as we're looking at these external manipulations, these pedagogical interventions, those, those kind of techniques and methodology are very much related also to teaching. Uh, talking about teaching, you have done groundbreaking research on something called pedagogical, uh, something called processing instruction. Could you yes. tell us a little bit about that? I, could, I consider myself a, la a language scientist, so I'm very much interested in, 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 in looking at how language develops in our mind and brain and what linguistics and processing constraints uh, might, have, might have an effect on, on, uh, on that development. So my, my research or part of my research really focused on the role of instruction in general. And in particular, in particular has been focusing on a pedagogical model, as you said, called uh, processing instruction. Um, this, is, this is a model which is a pedagogical model which is derived from a, a theory called input processing. And um, the main aim of processing instruction is to alter and circumvent and change the processing strategies that learners use to process input in real time. For instance, just to give you an example, uh, the, the, based on the input processing theory, there is two types of uh, processing. Uh, the first one we call it making moment by moment four meaning connections. And the second, which is about syntax, is, is called parsing. And the parsing is moment by moment, again, computational sentence structured during comprehension. And as a result of those two type of processing, the input processing theory has uh, basically developed uh, within the input processing theory, there's two um, processing, processing principles that have been developed. One is called the primacy of meaning principle. And the other one is called the first noun principle. And basically, these two principles pointed out that um, when we are exposed to language input, we don't uh, necessarily process all the elements in a sentence. So we tend to process lexical items, for instance, before grammatical items, uh, when they both encode the same semantic information. I don't know, in a sentence like yesterday I played tennis with John, not necessarily we play, we, we, we process the ED in played initially, 
but we rely on our mind and brain relies on the first element, which is the lexical item. So by doing that, we kind of skip the grammatical, the grammatical items. And in, in, in syntax, it's, 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 it's a similar concept. Sometimes we process, uh, uh, we process an element in the initial position and we assign uh, the role of agent to that element, to the first element. And so we, that might lead to misunderstanding of the sentence. Because if we hear, for instance, sentence the like uh, the cow was kicked by the horse, you know, we uh, because we use the first down principle, our mind and brain process information as assigning agent to the first element. We think that we comprehend a sentence as if it were the uh, the, the the cow kicked the horse. Oh, the agent. That yes. the meaning is is is, is not is not is not that, and therefore that causes a, a, a delay in acquisition. So, in other words, processing instruction because they arise from all these processing problems, is trying to provide a solution. So it's trying to restructure the input grammatically so that learners would pay attention to the NDED and assign their role of pastness to that. So make a formulating connection. So processing instruction is helping learner to actually process sentence like the cow was kicked by the horse appropriately. So there is no misunderstanding. So the learner understand that it was the actual horse to kick the uh, the cow, and so on. So my my research has, has been looking into a number of uh, features and languages, um, systematically measuring the processing instruction effects. And recently, uh, I've with a group of um, other scholars, mostly in America, um, we have been working on incorporating eye tracking methodology, for instance, to investigate how learners allocate visual attention during sentences processing, for instance. And the other two things I've, got, I've, been, I've been doing recently is that I'm, I'm, I'm finishing a book, um, which is a research monograph for Benjamins, part of a, a, a series that I think is called Bilingual Processing and Acquisition. And, the, and, the, and basically this is the fruit of work I've done when I was in Sharjah. A number of research I've done on the acquisition of Arabic and Italian as well. Um, and so, the, and, and there is also another a special issues coming up next year about processing instruction, which also present recent research. Because again, we we're making advances in terms of methodology. Because before we use a lot of pencil and paper tests to measure the effects of processing instruction, which and now we're trying to move away from offline testing and using more online testing like self-paced reading and then um, eye tracking and EEG. Uh, and so on. So, so to make sure that we, we collect a more robust um, data, more robust data in support of this particular pedagogical intervention. It's, it's amazing the, the amount of things there going on that you, you're doing in second language acquisition. I know, I don't know if Aditi mentioned it in the introduction, she may have done, I may have forgotten it. You've got about five or six pieces of forthcoming research just for this year, which I, I guess if listeners want to find out a bit more about what you've just been describing they should um they should read a bit more of some of this forthcoming work there's a book there and i think a few journal articles is that correct yes yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i've got some journal article just one published a few days ago by language teaching research and i i i've got my new affiliation attached to that particular article i obviously asked permission to the Hong Kong university because I'm, i haven't started yet but 
um, because at the moment I'm I'm here in London and I'm an, an independent scholar for a few months. Oh, it's good. It's good to get Hong Kong U's name on there, nice and early. That's good. Yes, our research output is going to increase tremendously. Right. Yeah. One of your latest books is called Key Questions in um, Language Teaching. Um, and uh, considering that we've undergone such a huge shift because of COVID, do you think that these key questions in language teaching have been affected? Um, do you think that we need to ask ourselves different questions? Or do the questions, the basic questions remain the same? I think the basic questions remain the same. I think the importance of uh, communication um, and the importance of, uh, of um, uh, understanding communication and understanding that what what's language is the nature of language and the role of language in language teaching is is, is crucial and all and, and in, in key question i'm looking at all the uh, key uh, actual questions that teacher have every every day during everyday teaching so how do i correct error how do i um, teach grammar how do i develop this particular reading skill or particular writing skill so I, I don't think that that is changed of course in the last few months you i agree with you we have changed the way we deliver uh, our teaching and so we it's, it's different using pl online platform and, and all that but but I, I don't think that the question the question of change at least at this point particularly in, in relation to language teaching i've been um, I have an associate positions at the Anaheim University uh, where I teach online. I think that is the institution where Prod Ellis and, and David Noonan, before you, somebody mentioned, Patrick mentioned, David, that they're actually working there. They set up this institute and I'm teaching two courses in the summer. Actually, now um, I started three weeks ago and I'm, te I'm using the key, the book on, on key issue language teaching. Um, and, uh, you know, it is all online and, and it's very interesting um, the way we interact with, with the students online and the platform that they're using um, is fantastic, it's really working. But, but the issues are the same. Uh, would you just summarize it for us, uh, the, the key questions and the key issues, uh, just for our audiences, please? Yeah, of course. I think two key, really key issues in second language, in second language teaching are the understanding the nature and role of communication and communication cannot be reduced to question and answer or open-ended question as i call it um, communication is about the expression interpretation negotiation of meaning in a given context and for a specific purpose and we need to understand all these elements and how we can develop all these elements through our through our language tasks for instance in the classrooms so understanding communication is crucial and the second important point to understand is language, to understand what actually language is. Because again, we tend to reduce language as simply a set of rules. But we know that language is, is actually there are no rules in our mind and brain. There are formulas that are much more complicated than that. And language is not processed in the same way we think language is processed when we you know, uh, basically expose learner to all those paradigms, all those rules and, and about the language. So, so I think understanding what language is and how we can develop a lang the language system is very key for teachers. So I think those two are important constructs that needs to be clarified and discussed and debated with teachers. 
And then there is the everyday work that we do in the classrooms that is very important. There is research done on understanding how people process grammar and how grammar should be taught. Uh, before I said there is a branch of uh, uh, research within the field of second language acquisition called instructive second language acquisition and that branch of research is actually looking at uh, different the effects of different pedagogical intervention to grammar instruction like input enhancement or UG instruction. yeah mm -hmm. yeah so of that, all that, all that hmm. yeah all, all that is, is crucial but there is, there is also questions such as how do we correct errors in the language classrooms what's the best way of doing that there's also questions about how do we develop um, uh, uh, certain particular skills, say listening skills or, or reading comprehension skills. And so I think, the, I think those are key issues that teachers have to deal with every day because sometimes they use a particular piece of material and they don't feel very happy with that because they don't think that I was successful in imp implementing and, and developing a particular skill. So how do you improve that? How do you make sure you develop very effective materials? And again, the, the, the crucial, and I think the philosophy of the whole course and the philosophy of this particular book is that we're not supporting a particular method or another. We provide learners with options. We provide teachers with options. But all those options are based on evidence. Um, yeah, so it's not that I believe that this is the best way of doing it because I'm, I'm very supportive of communicative language teaching approach. Uh, my approach is that this is either your options because the, those options that I offer to you are based on evidence. There is enough evidence to tell us that perhaps you should be doing one, two, three, four, five things as opposed to teaching things in a traditional way. So it's a question of challenging the tradition, but challenging tradition in an intelligent way and, and developing something that proposal or options or alternatives that they are actually evidence and principle based. This is fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Um, well, I think uh, we are almost uh, yeah, about to, we, we, we don't have much time. We'd love, love to go on talking about this. But before we finish, we just want to ask you, is there a moment in your teaching or research career, your, um, you know, your identity as a, as a you know teacher as a um, as a pedagogical um, instructor that um, that kind of comes comes to mind which was a turning point in your life where you felt um, you know that it, it completely changed your life uh, there's been I think there's been a lot of lot of episodes or moments that where I, I felt that um, were very important in my career as I said before I was I had the great fortune to have a, a mentor that is now uh, um, a great mentor when I was a grandchild now he's a is a chancellor of a very good university in the UK and she's she was brilliant she really helped me to I insisted that I should develop a managerial skill and research skill. So I think that was a really important point in my life, very early on in my career. But there is one thing that I remember was very important for me as an experience, was um, a project I was leading in, uh, uh, in Macedonia, the Republic of Macedonia. It was an EU project, but it was also supported by the British Council of Macedonia. 
and the idea was about and I, I was actually leading this 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 project um and it was about the development the develop the development of uh, inter-ethnic communication uh to build social stability uh in macedonia after the political turmoil of the late 90s and um, the three main uh, ethnic groups that they were involved in the project were Serbian, Macedonian, and Albanian. Um, and uh, they all had a very low level knowledge of each other's languages. I think that was, was the background. Um, and I remember I was leading this uh, huge team. Uh, it was very difficult because they were fighting all the time <laughs> and very divided. Um, it was team of, uh, of um, uh, that consisted of a number a number of groups there were uh, uh, pro professors from uh, state universities and private universities um, in the Republic of Macedonia they were representative of what they call it if I remember correctly the uh, education bureau I think was called there, there were there were a couple of junior ministers also from from the government uh, and they were a member of local schools um as well um and institutions um so i remember it was a difficult um was a ve very difficult project it lasted for three years and and it, I, it really tested my ability not not only to be a, a good manager and make sure that um i could be very um, um effective in bringing all these people together and working together um but also as as a researcher, because the whole idea was uh, to transfer some of the funding from the from the research in in our field into language teaching, so for the benefit of teachers and teaching. So it, it was very it was very demanding, and you have to be a, I had to be extremely diplomatic okay. to make sure that <laughs> I be very 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 sensitive. Um, so again, it, it was. Um, um, the, the, I think that the, at the end the, the project was very successful, I must say. And as a team, we were able to apply the current research in language learning and teaching to actually fundamentally change the country's language education policy because they, they've changed curriculums in schools and their approaches and also improved teaching methodology throughout Macedonia because the two major outcomes of the project were actually the publication of teaching guidebook um, and the development of an implementation of a training um, program for school teachers, which was cascaded. Um, so that there was, I think, hundreds of copies of the guidebook that were published in uh, Macedonian, Albanian, Turkish, and Serbian, uh, and they were disseminated. And then there they, they were tw initially 28 training sessions that they were delivered, and then uh, uh, in two languages, both Macedonian and Albanian, and then at least at the beginning it was around 500 teachers if i remember correctly that were trained in both primary and secondary school and then the, the program was cascaded uh, later on and um, and the good thing the good thing uh, for me was that as a result of this pro this project i actually saw it with my own eyes that those state advisors from the bureau of education development be began to cooperate State and private university professor and the schools and the local institutions in adopting new strategies to develop effective policies and also methodologies in teaching a second language in Macedonia. Wow. Uh, so 
that was really for me that was very important. He really helped me in, in the future too. I, I improved my managerial skill out of that project, definitely. Imagine in Hong very Kong, successful. That, Alessandro, that everything's going to be very easy here. It's going to be a walk in the park compared to <laughs> going in there in a, in a real war zone to, 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 to work on policy. I but hope everything's going to be a lot yeah. easier. It was clearly a very, very successful outcome to a very challenging situation. And with all those skills that you have now, we welcome you to the Center for Applied English Studies. And... Uh, Really hope to learn more from you and to be under your leadership and guidance. Thank you so much, Professor Benatti, for the time Thank that you have spared for us today. Yeah. Thank, you. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we are looking forward to it. Too. Thank you. Thank you. We're looking forward to seeing you in Hong Kong soon, Alessandro. Teachers Lift is a collaborative effort from the Center for Applied English Studies at the University of Hong Kong, Center for Language Education at the Hong Kong University of Science and Technology, as well as the English Language Center at the Hong Kong Polytechnic University. We'd like to thank our colleagues at the Hong Kong Continuing Professional Development Hub for their help and support with Lift. You can check them out at hkcpdhub.hku.hk If you appreciate this content and you'd like to be notified when our next episode comes out after our summer break, be sure to subscribe with the podcasting app of your choice. You can visit us at teacherslift.com to find all the social media links there. We hope you will like and subscribe and let us know you're listening. Unfortunately, today is the final episode when Phil will join us from here in Hong Kong. Phil's off to new challenges in the UK. Phil's been with us since the very first episode, and his silky smooth voice will be very much missed. From the entire Teachers Lift team, I'd like to say thanks, everybody. We'll see you all again in September. Stay safe and have a good summer. <laughs>